in the startup world, it's pretty easy to get connected with other startup founders because it, it's such a lonely road. So if you see anybody, it's like, it's like meeting someone from your hometown. You're like, oh, you know that one burger restaurant? They're like, yeah, we're best friends now. Like that, I think that's the beautiful aspect of like um, startups. So like the community is kind of naturally happening as long as you reach out. If you don't reach out, then it's kind of up to you that you're just not going to get uh, the time of day. Welcome back to another edition of How I Create Me, where we passionately celebrate remarkable humans on their quest to thrive creatively in the commercial world. I'm your host, Jessica Matthews. This community gives me both the courage to keep going and the wisdom to try something different. I hope our collective stories resonate with your own internal spark, and we're so glad you're joining us. Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. And explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. Today, we're celebrating the remarkable human, engineer, and enthusiast of many trades, Richard Lee. He chatted with me about the mandate of creative outputs and how our quick-to-commercialize economy has perhaps skewed our engagement with the joy of learning and sharing as a community. As a serial entrepreneur, his combination of generosity and boldness have positioned him to repeatedly challenge prevailing assumptions about the bifurcation of design and STEM through building approachable tech solutions that live at the intersection of code and culture. He's currently building an AI content tool for marketing professionals called Supercopy. Join us to hear why apprenticeships beat entry-level jobs any day, and why a trip to the gym an hour before midnight was the best part of the weekend. Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to talk with you. Thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, super excited to be here. Super excited. So I grew up with a dad who was an electrical engineer, and sometimes navigating his perceptions of creativity and my perceptions of creativity were at odds. <laughs> so I want to hear from you kind of what are some of the things that you wish that everyone understood about the creative side of engineering, code development, and even more generally, perhaps your why in the business? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think the School of Engineering, engineering kind of gets a weird rap because you're either considered to be very strict and narrow and you have a lot of parameters and that's like limiting creativity. And the other one is like, you're so you're super creative and you can build everything, right? So that's the, the two main fields of thought. They're both kind of right in the sense of like, when you're initially starting, you just have to learn a lot. Like you have to learn how to make Lego pieces. You have to learn how the Lego pieces work. In our world, physics is a big part. Right? Like physics and like there's certain things atoms don't do. There's certain things like programs don't like do now. And learning that is like kind of a big jump. But once you understand that fundamentals, you can start experimenting and thinking about other options. But you don't get there until you understand like the basics. So like a lot of people are like, oh, if you see anything you're learning, often they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So they're like, there's very little room for creativity. They're like, I still need to just understand what's happening. And the second half is like, oh, now I understand it. Let's just build stuff together and see what happens. So like that's the two stages that you see. Love it. What's a common perception about creative culture that you like to throw your weight against? Yeah, definitely. I think creative culture, I think there's two groups and like something in the middle, which is like, you're either born with it, you're born with in like very innate creativity that's like more than everybody else, right? That's, the other, that's one side. 
And the second side is you could train up creativity, even though you may not have like the most innate creative sense. It's definitely a mixture of the two. Like having some creative talent is great, but like it, none of that is really usable unless you're like constantly training and building and like going at it every single day. And like, I'm going to learn more. And I see the best creatives doing that. They're like, they may not have those creative talents at the beginning, but they could far outperform somebody as long as they're uh, constantly practicing outputting. I have this image in my head, uh, just to go back to my childhood for a second, of my dad and all of his electrical engineer buddies from work at a 4th of July party, spending all their time wiring this like custom detonation system for the fireworks that they could synchronize and code like program out to be in sync with a song that they picked I forget what it was like America the Beautiful or something like that and there was this like I remember even as a little kid sort of being conscious of that contrast of like the people that like could do creative weird quirky things just for fun at a family party like that because they had put in like the 10,000 hours of learning their craft right so they could have this really grounded awareness of the platform that they could just play off of, right? When you get to that point. So um, what's something that you've tried that, I mean, maybe not shooting off fireworks, it might be commonly considered risky, but, you know, paid off for you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess there's like two really big examples. One is like an example of, I want to be like a documentarian and I want to go do that type of thing. So I'm like, cool, I don't know how to film. Like, I don't know how to do a production. I'm going purely on YouTube and seeing what happens. So I've just learned a lot on YouTube. Like, I was like, here's how you produce videos. Here's how you like screen sets. Here's yeah, how you do I all that. Ask, I know I'm interrupting, but what drew you to do documentaries if you didn't have experience in filming? I really enjoy the arts. I really enjoy cinema. I was like, I, I grew up with like, like, just watching a lot of document, like documentaries on like on cable, like because that's what's available on like, four or five channel like the history channel before it got weird oh like, yeah yeah <laughs> i just grew up watching a ton of documentaries i'm like i want to do that and i was like well i don't want to go to like journalism school i'm like currently in engineering school i have a spring break coming up i have a couple of friends that are down to do this um they're also not the best at what they do they're very like capable and they can learn really fast and that's kind of how how i pick my friends I'm like let's just go do that so we went to mexico and like filmed the documentary documentary for like a week and then this was like, we had like two Sienna people that are like, like really junior associate producers, like really junior. They're like, we'll just do anything. I'm like, is it funded by you? I'm like, yeah, I literally funded on my own checking account, like maxed out credit cards like that. The, like student, like the student credit card limit, which is like nothing. Right. I went there and filmed documentary. <laughs> and like, that's kind of how like I did it. And it was really funny because I was giving a speech on like just doing random stuff, like to go get the attention of like bigger people. And they're like, oh, I'm gonna go get this internship. Or I'm gonna get this job. I was like, they're like, oh, but I can't, and I have a portfolio. I'm like, your job is to make the portfolio. It may not be the best high quality thing ever, but it will show them what you're capable of. And it will show yourself that you could really do other things. And it's like the story of like most creators on the platform. Like, oh, I started with a phone camera or not even a camera. I started not even having a camera. Like right. that's like the storyline. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that. I love that your job is to make the portfolio. I think that brings back this like phenomenal understanding of sort of the bedrock of creativity is like to create, to make stuff and to bring out of our heads and into the real world, whether that's virtual or material, what have you, 
that we're bringing things into sort of this being and existence uh, and have the portfolio to have the, the yeah. process uh, to have something to show for it. Yeah, It's a weird thing. Like I, I really wish the concept of, of apprenticeship was more common, but I truly like, I look even on entry level jobs and like, they just don't have, the skill sets are way too high. I'm like, these are entry level jobs. I'm like, these are like six years experience and with like stuff, like, but you're like calling it one. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. hard. I would say that's like categorically hard for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I grew up in a time where it was still cool to like pay a high schooler to do something that they didn't know how to do because yeah. like the people that hired me knew that I was going to grow in my skill set. They knew that I was going to be part of the workforce and whether it benefited their company specifically, or I went off and worked somewhere else that it was benefiting everybody that my generation was able to come up. And now we're the ones that are bringing all of these ideas to yeah, fruition absolutely. and creating new things and finding solutions and not to the exclusion, obviously, of anybody else that's in the workforce, but it's like the bar has been set so high that we're forgetting that there really is an element of practicing, of finding out the print. Why does it work this way? And you you have to be able to sort of hit your head up against the physics of like yeah. a couple of times yeah, right? you, like, before you, you figure to, it out. You have to figure out what can happen and what could happen if you really put time in. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the important mantras that you've seen embodied in your own work or that your clients and other creatives are doing in the commercial space that we should know about? Yeah, I have a lot of mantras on like the cool thing about like building a company is that you get to pick your mantras and values to a point. And one of our things is like we want, we are always problem solvers is a big thing. We're very human centered because I remember we have a ton of conversations. Uh, it's kind of funny because every me- every good mentor will write it down a certain way is like they'll go through the list of like jobs and tasks that we need to do and a lot of people it's really interesting in the companies they build they were like oh we have to like get another person for this like we need someone who do this so like it could be like a programming language we don't know yet or it could be a design skill we don't have or a marketing technique we just don't know yet and like a lot of co-founders will be like they'll look at him like oh we have to go get a marketer or like, oh, we have to go get like engineer seven. We have to go get designer two that knows the specific skill. And a really good mentor would be like, that's your job <laughs> to go learn it. And it's really weird because in um in the corporate setting where like a lot of us came from, it's like, that's the opposite. It's like, no, you stay in your lane and we'll go get the specialist. But in like small, small co-working, like small startups, it's like, everyone's kind of more of a generalist so you're the mantra like go learn it you may not be perfect that's fine you're the duct tape guy until we could get somebody that's super specialized later to come in and do it but you probably don't need the specialist right now so it's like it's like knowing what the right tool for the right job is often and then like how do you learn new things and like that's i think that's the biggest skill set learning engineering which is like if you don't know something can you go learn it and honestly professors and engineering will be like go learn this over the weekend and if you did that to a lot of other types of like courses, people will look at you like, that's that's not part of the class. Like, how do you sneak that in? That's another class you sneak in for a week and upset it. And there's so many countless moments where I'm like, that wasn't in the prerequisite. <laughs> okay, time to go learn it. And that's so many opportunities that like happen because of that. So I'm like, I'm truly blessed. Like I was kind of 
built into that system where it's like they just assume you could go learn things i was like yeah that's the point (laughs) it sort of reminds me of like working out right like if you have like a specific goal in mind of being able to like you know lift a certain weight or do a certain activity or I've been, I had a car wreck last year I've spent a lot of time in physical therapy so my goals are super small but very impactful right you go in and you show up and it's like it can be really easy if you have this image of where you want to be to like feel feel like you can't show up when you're only at the 10 pound weight like if I want to be doing the 50 pounds and I show up it's really easy to feel embarrassed about doing the 10 pound right but the more you do the 10 pound eventually you get to the 50 pound and you have to be willing to show up with that less than perfect because it's a trainable thing right like you said and learning and nobody looks at somebody who is showing up every day at the gym and is like oh what a loser they're not good at what they do like no you're like man I was consistent that's the win (laughs) that's the win exactly so i was like i love that reminder that it is our job to learn things and i we forget that so often i think that learning is that muscle creativity is a muscle and and that it's a good and healthy thing no matter how small the increment (laughs) to be doing it absolutely absolutely so what are some of the things that you've been doing to Build a community that fosters that sense in people. I mean, like you've expressed the gratitude that you feel about kind of being trained up in a place that really embraced that. Go learn it, go do it, go make it happen, put something out there in the world. Kind of what are some things in building that community that you see would be helpful for other creatives to start doing? And it's maybe paid off for you and your network of influence. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I think the funny thing is in the startup world, it's pretty easy to get connected with other startup founders because it, it's such a lonely road so if you see anybody it's like, it's like meeting someone from your hometown you're like oh you know that one burger restaurant they're like yeah we're best friends now like that i think that's the beautiful aspect of like um startups because it's it to like anyone that lasts long enough in this world like any level of solopreneurship or like startups or entrepreneurship it's a very lonely road like you're kind of doing your own thing you're not following anyone's calendar so like the community is kind of naturally happen as long as you reach out. If you don't reach out, then it's kind of up to you that you're just not going to get uh, the time of day. So what I realized is like, it's, it's like three versions of it. One is like provide, like I would like to provide value all the time. So like I, I actually give a ton for free. My friend's like, that's consulting. I'm like, I'm just giving advice because I've had millionaires and billionaires just give me free advice and they're not charging me. And they're like, yeah, you're right. But how can you not make money? I'm not making, I'm not supposed to make money from consulting here. I'm supposed to make the thing from the thing I want to do. And I think that's where a lot of the people that are the best do that. They like, they realize like, yeah, like I can make a quick buck here unless I'm spending like a massive amount of my time doing this. But the best ones literally just make sure to pay it forward for the people in front. It's kind of like apprenticeship, like, like, hey, like, and it's it's really funny because I talk to a lot of people that want to make these into programs. And they're like, I'm like the hundred thousand dollar course. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's star culture is the opposite of that. It's like everyone's broke, number one, <laughs> or if they have money, they're like way past where people are supposed to be. So I think the community is just like if you're doing something interesting and you're doing it with some level of passion, people are very gravitated to that. So the community kind of naturally builds itself around. And the thing is, I got. I used to be very scared about email emailing certain people. I was like, oh, like that is 
not a thing I'm, I would even consider. Now I'm just emailing, emailing strangers like every single day. I'm like, I think you're amazing. Let's talk. Like that muscle was developed over time because initially I was, I'm like, oh, we don't need to do this. We could just go to our friends and family. Our friends and family limits like are done in like a week or two. And you're like, oh, now who do we talk to? How do we get the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend? Like the Kevin Bacon series. So I really took on the mantra of like, go reach out to people that like clearly you could all also help in some way. I always approach it that way. I'm like, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm like, I'm not here to buy anything either. But I would like to ask you a question. And I think I think you were very respectful of that and like very respectful of time. And because of that, I got to meet amazing people such as yourself. Actually, that's how, that's how we met. I was like, oh, like, let me just straight up reach out to these people. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think just having the communication and being very open about it without like expecting anything in return like tends to be a really good way to build community. And the funny thing is I have a very tight community in my team because it's just three of us building a company. So like communication is something that I'm like reading up a ton about. Like how do you communicate better? How do you communicate values? How do you make sure everyone feels welcome and earned? How do you do that hybrid like when you're not in person? So like ton of studies into that just to like make sure the boat is rolling. I think that is you really hit the nail on the head with that loneliness factor as somebody who is often caught in that creative space and in the work where you're like with a team, but also your team is not just your people. Like it's not the same people that you're doing the same thing with all the time, right? There's It's a different type of team, quote unquote, experience when you're working in these like really small situations. And it really does create so much benefit to be like, yes, just have somebody else that's going through the same journey and that we can learn it together. I have been amazed to see, for example, my three-year-old that I bring up a lot just because he's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch a human like become more of a human or well not that he's less of a human now but like actualize himself a little more in the world right right? and um the way that he learns by just being in the same room with us it's amazing to me when just sitting down next to him at the table and i'm doing my thing and he's doing his thing and then like a week later i'll see him do something that i did i didn't like teach him he didn't go take a course he just because in the routine of just being together and each pursuing the things that make our hearts come alive, which for him right now is Lego blocks. He's all up in it, right? He can barely press them together because his yeah. hands are so small. <laughs> he's like, like, but he's like, I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> so, um, him doing his Legos and me doing my writing or whatever, He uh, there's a lot that rubs off just being shoulder to shoulder with people. And I think that comes from a, like you said, respect, reaching out, offering what you have. And instead of feeling like you would never sit down at a table with your friends and be like, no, you can't have some of my chips and queso. Like, (laughs) right? If they say no, we're no longer friends now. No, but like you share the wealth, right? And, And so often I do think that in the commercial spaces, you know, we're counseled by like, oh, you should turn this into something you can sell. You should, which sometimes is a good idea, right? I mean, there's a reason there's the restaurant that's selling the case on chips, but sometimes you just sit down and share it with your friends. And that's yeah, I think there's something really funny online that said, like, this generation made all of their hobbies into side hustles. So we don't even have hobbies anymore. Oh, like, man. So we Say, have that to again. Say that again. 
Say that again. It's like so this important. generation changed all of their hobbies into side hustles. So we don't have hobbies on anymore. I was like, wow, that's true. Oh, I feel that. I feel that's so hard. I like, enjoy doing this. Let's make money from it. Like, oh gosh. You know, we're caught in this this really like mind-boggling transition between like my dad the electrical engineer he worked at the same in like the same building for like 30 years and there were different companies that bought out different parts of the department but I'm like pretty sure he was almost in the same office for like 30 years right and so I sit down with him I remember like going to college and sitting down with him and being like so dad my career is not gonna look like that like and I don't know how like so I could see him being frustrated because he wanted to help me, but what he had to offer, his experience was so different than the economy that I was coming into right after the financial crash and the recession and all of this. And, and so I do feel that like we had to like hustle so hard, but it's like now that we're in this, like the economy has shifted and there's a lot more opportunity. It's like, I want to go back and reclaim those hobbies, man. Like, yeah. I like that. Yeah, you need you know. to make a special area. Just be like, this is not going to be commercialized. Like it's going to only bring me joy. Yes. Cause you've got to feed that part of yourself. If you want anything else good to come out, right. Like in your creative yeah, process. Yeah. So, okay. What are some of your favorite places to go for inspiration? Inspiration. I love traveling. Like I grew up traveling. I actually look at Europe and Asia a ton for like visiting and traveling. Like I spent four months like studying abroad in Europe. Like graciously, the program was also like a Georgia Tech campus. Every weekend was three-day weekends. So we're like, well, we've got a train pass. How far can I go? I literally went, to Tur- I went all the way to Turkey from France. Like Turkey to UK was like the range where I was. It was like every country's on the planet. And like, and then, but you're so broke because you're a college student that you're just like, I can't eat any of the foods they offer because it's all like 30 euros and above. What I can't afford is like the euro, like the the euros and the the fries, and that's kind of it. I was like, this is my budget food for <laughs> so like everywhere I went, like Italy, but Italian euros, and like if you if you go to like Germany, I'm like, you get brats and then euros because it's just like it's it's like the equivalent of a burger because McDonald's so expensive. I'm like, well, I can't buy the McDonald's here. <laughs> when I tried to go to McDonald's in India when we I was there with my husband, I remember being like, just I'm pretty sure you could hear my jaw hit the floor. I just didn't have any concept for what it would be like internationally. But you're just so rich, it's so rich uh, to experience traveling. So I'm so glad to get to do that. Okay, so to wrap our conversation here, though, before I let you go, I want to play the Ungame with you, which the box tells me is the world's most popular self-expression game. So it has. It says that it has no rules, but it actually does. And the rules are you just have to answer the question. <laughs> so, so like it's like flash rounds. Okay, right. Actually, it'll just be one question. Um, so let me shuffle here and and we'll both answer it. So we get a little, you know, I get put on the spot a little bit too. All right, here we go. Describe something you like to do that seems out of the ordinary. Mm, that's a good question. I think the thing I really love doing is dancing. I'm very into the hip hop contemporary dancing. Uh, I have been in for the last 10 years. But like, peep, that's a surprise that people get. Like when we go to weddings, I'm like, who's that guy? Did you hire him? I was like, no, it's 
just having fun. So that's me. I, I love that. I love it. I love it. Do you take classes or do you just go out? Are there like open a dance? Yeah, classes? yeah. So I think the amazing thing about dance scene, especially the dance community, everyone's everyone's like super open. And like actually, just yesterday, like a friend of mine hosted a design workshop, a dance workshop for like like eight of us. And like we're all dance friends, so like oh, let's just show up. So like my gym is dancing, like yesterday. Yeah. Like that's I'm like oh, okay. We guess we're doing this. We're like until eleven o'clock at night. That's so awesome. That sounds so fun. That's fantastic. I think my out of the ordinary thing would be lettering. So like I used to have a calligraphy set. I think in the purge of moving multiple apartments, it got set to the side, but. I'm obsessed with colored pens. And now you and I met at Spitchard, so I'm sure you've seen my little case of rainbow pens. So a lot of times when I am thinking through a problem or even just going for that source of joy, like just writing beautiful lettering or rewriting something that's important to me, but doing it in a way where the words themselves become an artistic image um, is something that I really like to do that I think... um, not a lot of people do so <laughs> that's very cool yeah that, that seems interesting because you go and rewrite some of the letters as well yeah it, there's an element of repetition in lettering right because you're only well for me I can only write in English so I'm working with the 26 letters <laughs> of our our alphabet and uh so that rewriting and reforming the same things shapes over and over again but how they connect to each other being different and so the different they're like little building blocks that become into into words and that that repetition there's something really like soothing and also creates this like open space for thinking in a way that I, typing doesn't yeah it's a different like feedback i feel yeah it feels a little more embodied and connected because when you're writing with a pen right you feel the difference in the ink or the paper and how it slides over it you know it's a physical experience you feeling backwards yeah there's no difference in keyboards like the keyboards all feel the same (laughs) right right. (laughs) yeah so well thank you so much Richard for sharing your stories and insights with us I certainly found a lot that resonated with me and I I know our listeners will as well so for anyone who wants to find you where should they go looking I think the best way is contact my email. Like my email is always open. So it's Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D at Bettersum. So B-E-T-T-E-R-S-U-M.com. That's my best email. I'm around Atlanta. You'll find me on Switchards. I'm, on, I'm around Tech Campus all the time. So yeah, hit me awesome. up. All great places to be. I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> Thanks so much, Richard. Take care. Thank you so much. That's another party in the bag for How I Create Me. We're incredibly grateful that you welcomed our content into your headspace. We take it very seriously that we should bring light and goodness to your soul. So don't be shy about sharing your thoughts. How'd we do? Do you want to hear more? What should we talk about next? To stay connected and get amongst the details, visit howicreate.me. Are there other people in your world that should join the party? Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. Like, share, follow, and all the social media things. That'll help too. Explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. This podcast would not be possible without the generous efficiency of our executive producer and production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. May you go forth and thrive.